Okay, welcome back to Staying Off Topic. <clears throat> Today's episode is... It's going to be a little tough. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I am feeling a kind of way. I am recording this now on... I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but I'm recording this on June 2nd. Um, it's Tuesday. Um, this weekend was... The weekend of the protest um, at the end of May for um, George Floyd, okay? And this weekend was tough. I, for those who don't know me, if you don't know me, if you've never seen my picture, if you don't know anything about me, I'm um, I'm a 33-year-old black man. I... Um, I'm from Toledo, um, and that's it. That's all that needs to be shared at this point. Um, but the reason why I bring that up is because this weekend has been tough. I was, I'm admitting this here. Uh, I don't think I told anybody else this, but literally every day I was almost in tears. It's for multiple reasons. Um, George Floyd being killed not wanting to watch that video. Ahmed already being killed a week and a half before the I'm sorry. Uh him being killed in February and the video being released a week and a half before that. Brianna Taylor being killed and not being talked about. And then what was it? Sunday the thirty first of May. Uh you also had <clears throat> sorry, you also had uh David Mecca T. I'm not sure if that's his right name, but you know, rest in peace to all four of those people. And I don't, I can only say that this weekend was tough. Um, so it's going to get a little somber, I'm going to be honest with you, just because you know, I'm still feeling that kind of way. I've talked about you know, Black Lives Mattering unarmed people being shot by the police, uh, kids being shot by the police, um, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a couple of things that I don't want to post on Facebook because I've posted them before, but it's getting um, rather uh, tedious. Facebook isn't the way. Okay, I've learned a very hard lesson that Facebook is only... You're not changing any minds on Facebook, okay? No, no one is. No, not me, not you. No one's changing minds on Facebook. Um, we can we can keyboard warrior all day, but you're not going to change minds. I've written literal books on Facebook, and I haven't changed a mind yet. Um, unfortunately, sometimes you, you people don't want to hear you anymore, so now you're just talking to yourself. Uh, which currently I'm doing anyway, but <clears throat> with all that being said, uh, I I don't want to lend my ear to I don't want to lend my heart my voice my thoughts to Facebook anymore. I don't, I'm tired of writing the long statuses. I want to talk this out. So so I, what I want to do instead of getting out what I think about what's happening. Because we're going to talk about that too. Um, and just to let you guys know up front, 
we're probably going to go longer than we usually do. Okay. Uh, so bear with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, this episode is going to be definitely a little different, but you're going to get my real thoughts on a lot of things. So first, what I want to do is talk about black people. Um, obviously I'm black. I, I grew up black. I have dark skin. You know, that's, that's my life. My son is black. He's 15. That's, that's the story of his life. Like it, it is what it is. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed of being black. I'm not, I love being black. I don't mind it. Is it tough? Yeah. Something about me, which we're going to address in a different episode, uh, more about me. Um, just so you guys can get to know me and understand who I am and where I come from, which I, that was actually going to be the actual episode for today. Um, that I've been wanting to make for a week now and I haven't been able to make it because I've been in my feelings. Um, I wanted to share more about where I come from, who I am, how I get the mindset, how I have, how did I get the mindset that I have? And that was going to be it. Um, so before I say all that, um, I am who I am and I love being me. Is it hard? Sure. Is it as hard as other people, other black people? No, not at all. I've had an exceptionally mediocre, mediocre is the wrong word. I've had an exceptional privileged black life and I grew up in the hood. Okay. So to be fair to myself, um, I don't want to say I I grew up in a bad part of Toledo because I didn't. It wasn't bad, but there were, you know, different entities in Toledo that um in my neighborhood that made it difficult okay like were there gangs in in my neighborhood sure were there um crime was there crime in my neighborhood absolutely but I grew up with two parents they both had incomes um I had two sisters I have two older brothers we were doing okay as a family but also I've had the lights turned off you know, a couple of years there, we had, you know, roaches and, 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 and mice and rats. And uh, we've had the heat cut off. We had to boil water to take a bath. Uh, we've, I mean, what else? We didn't have a washer and dryer. We had to go to the laundromat. Um, I, I got one pair of pants for the school year. I've been there, guys. Like, I understand what it's like. I don't. But I, again, I also, you know, grew up with two parents. You know, that's a, that's a that's a blessing for a lot of people, black or white, to be fair, because it is what it is. But either way, so I, I understand what it's like. So when I hear, so in the past, when I hear the things that I've hear that I've heard, and when I see the videos that I've seen, and I grew up the way I grew up. Um, there has been I have thoughts on a lot of things this is where this is where my focus comes in at I lose focus because there's so many things going through my head and I have thoughts on you know black lives mattering I have thoughts on you know the black panthers I have thoughts on cops I have thoughts on you know uh, the false narrative of black on black crime um, if that gives you an insight on how I feel about that, I have thoughts and I lose focus a lot about them because 
they matter so much that when they come out, sometimes they're not cohesive. So I've kind of, I haven't perfected it. But what I want to talk about is my analogy for black people because, the, and I'll tell you one reason, I'll give you a reason why I have an analogy for black people. One, everyone thinks black people are a monolith. They think that we're one entity. And and we're not. We are not one soul people, right? Like we, we are, we're a community, we're a people, but we're not all the same. And so I feel like I have to bring in an analogy just to show people about the community, just about uh, how we deal with police brutality, how we deal with the false narrative of black and black crime, how we deal with gangs, how we deal with, with um, being 12% of the population, all the things. So I have to bring an analogy because honestly, some white people don't see us as people. I always have to tell people, I also have, always have to tell white people, you know, hey, we want what you want because we're human. We're people. We want what you want. You want to live good. You want to have a good life. You want to make good money. You want to take care of your family. We want the same things. You want to live in your culture? So do we. Um, before I give you this analogy, I'll tell you one thing. And I'm, I'm again, sorry, I'm losing focus already. There's so many things coming out. Um, there is, there. I was talking to a co-worker of mine years ago. And uh, not too long ago, but it was a couple years ago. And he was upset that day. And I go, hey why what's wrong what's the matter you know that's my guy I like, he's a cool guy so i like him i'm like hey what's up man i see you're upset he's like oh no my dad just had a rough rough weekend blah blah, blah. and i go oh shoot sorry what happened to your dad I'm like oh nothing happened he goes but he just found out some information about our family that was just pretty he was pretty distraught about and i go oh man that's crazy you know obviously whatever family can be xyz you know, we didn't, we didn't talk about that, but I go, I go, um, no, he goes, so my dad really loves our culture. They're Irish, maybe, or Scottish. I honestly don't know. Um, it's not my culture, so I don't know, but he said they were one of the two and their last name, you know, represents that. And so his dad to do like a family tree was looking into their background, their culture, and he found out that somewhere in the line somebody was adopted and their last name isn't their last name. And as he was telling me, he was he was visibly upset. And he said his dad was upset and was crying and things like that. And I go, wow. I'll never know what that's like. I want you to sit in that for a second. I'll never know what that is like. Because my ancestry starts and ends in the 1600s of America. Okay. We... 
it goes back so far. It doesn't go back far enough to find that out because that's where it started, right? Uh, is there is there a way to do it? Yes, absolutely. It takes time and, and things. But can my mom and dad absolutely say for sure, hey, we come from, you know, Morocco or we come from Madagascar or we come from West, South, East, North Africa? No, they can't pass that information down. And so while he was telling me, of course, I'm a good friend and I, I comfort him and I'm like, man, that sucks, blah, blah, blah. Um, but in my head, I go, who's comforting me? And in that moment, I realized we aren't the same. Um, uh, it was a couple years ago. I already knew that. But we are not the same. And no one will ever know. And I, I remember I came home and shared that with my girlfriend. And I told her, I said, listen. We don't, we don't know, we don't know where we come from. We come from America. We're more American than most white people here because this is where we're from. We don't have any, we don't have a past before 16, 19 or whatever the year may be. We don't have a past before that. So we can only go back to then if we can go back to then because who was keeping records? Okay. Who was keeping the records for us? Nobody. So, with that being said, and again, I'm, I know I'm losing focus here. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to stay on topic, um, but I also, I'm in my feelings, so I'm everywhere. I want to talk about the analogy and the false narrative of black on black crime. So, no matter what we talk about, we talk about police brutality. There's always going to be one white person who always says black on black crime. Okay, let me dispel that rumor for you or that that false narrative. Black on black crime, black on black crime is not a thing unless you talk about white on white, Asian on Asian, Mexican on Mexican crime. Okay, if you even go look at the numbers, more black people kill black people than anyone else. If you look at the numbers, more white people kill more white people than anyone else. If you look at the numbers, more Asians kill more Asians, and etc. and etc. and etc. That's the way it is, okay? You do crime against your own people, no matter how much you don't want to. No matter how much I don't want it to happen, that's what happens, okay? More more, more black people burglarize black people than anyone else. More white people burglarize white people than anyone else. That's the way it works. It's called proximity, Okay? It's, it's proximity. Who, who you're close to, that's what happens to those people. You know, you share, a, if there's two houses in a neighborhood and they're right next to each other, five feet apart in, the, in, their, <clears throat> in their landline, they're five feet apart, they're going to get in more arguments with that neighbor than they are somebody who lives five miles away, ten miles away. That's what's going to happen. That's life. You're going to have more disagreements with that person than you are the person who lives 18 doors down from you, 18 miles away, two cities over. That's what happens. So black on black crime is a myth. And the reason why it's a myth is because every it happens to every culture. OK, it's not just black people. 
And what and what people want to tell you is that, hey, don't worry about police brutality. It's okay that that person was killed by the police because guess what? Black people kill black people. I don't care about that. But let me put that in an analogy for you. Let me tell you why when people say, do you care about this? Let me tell you why I don't. Okay. Because, and I'll give you two reasons. I don't care, A, and B, I do care. Okay, I'll tell you why. So this is my analogy. And I haven't perfected this, but this is this is how my mind works. So just stay with me for a second. My analogy is black people, they're a house. Okay, black people in, in themselves, they're, the community is a house. It is a house. It's a home. It's steadfast. It's sturdy. It has a great base underneath it. That's what black people are. The black people inside of it are the family of the house. Okay? You have the family. You have the men. You have the women. You have the children. That's the family. It's pretty easy to understand. Okay? Everyone else is the same. Okay? You have, you have a mom and a dad who works. You have kids who are kids. That's life. They do life. That's what it is. Okay? And I've worked this analogy two ways. One, police brutality and black-on-black -black crime. Why police brutality is more important than black-on-black -black crime. This is why. The mom, and the, the mom and the dad of the community, of the house, of the black family... They're studious. They work hard. They're great people. They're amazing. They love each other. Everything's amazing. Kids are kids. Okay? You love your kids no matter what they do. You support your kids no matter what they do. But the kids are fuck-ups. Okay? That is what... It happens in the black community, right? Now, are you mad that they're fuck-ups? No. Are you disappointed? Absolutely. What you wanted to do and say is, hey, get your act together and become like your parents. Something my dad always told me. I don't want you to be as good as me. I want you to be better. It's something I've told my son many a times. I don't want you to be as good as me. Because that's not good enough. That's not what I want for you. I want you to be better. So in this analogy, I look at the kids as the ones who disappoint you. Okay? They are the quote-unquote criminals. They are the quote-unquote gang members. They are the ones who do the drugs. I'm not mad at you because you're a product in your environment, but I'm disappointed. And I want to help you, but I can't do your, I can't, you can't do the kids homework for them. They have to do it themselves. Kid, you can't live your kid's life. Everyone wants to live their life through their kids. You can't do it. They're going to resent and reject you for it every single time. You can only help and give advice. You can only give guidance, but they're going to mess up. Okay, so living in a house um, with a family, guess what? The kids, they're going to mess up. There's nothing, there's no way around it. There's nothing you can do about it. They're going to mess up. They just have to learn their own lessons. So what do you do? So anyway, 
um, just so we don't lose focus here. The kids are in the house. The parents are in the house. Everybody's living, having a good time. The kids make a ruckus. They break the TV. They shatter the TV. Oh, it's horrible. You hate it. You're mad about it. You know what that is, though? That's the black on black crime. You're upset that this young black man took another young black man's life. You're mad. You're upset. You want. You have to fix. You have to fix it. You have to fix it. Okay. You have to fix your house. You have to fix. They punch a hole in the wall. Okay. You have to fix it. That's all you want to do. You want to fix it. That's your. That's your priority. You're like. You know what? We gotta. We gotta. These kids have to get it together. We have to discipline them somehow. Um, and we have to fix the broken TV because now we can't watch TV. That's what the parents like to do. They like to relax in their life. Now we got to put plaster on the wall. You know, somebody broke the handle on the toilet that's using drugs, right? We got to fix this somehow. Now, do you care about that stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. You do. You care about it. You you want to fix it. That's your main goal. You're like, okay, today is Monday. We're not going to have TV for a week, guys. Because the kids decided to play around. And they decided to break the TV. So we're not going to have TV for a while. But on Saturday, I'm going to go out and buy a new TV. Um, I'm going to take my check that I get on Friday. And on Saturday, I'm going to buy a new TV. I'm going to buy some plaster for the walls. I'm going to fix the toilet seat, the toilet handle, okay? I got you. That's it. I got you. Meanwhile, outside of your community, outside of your family, there's a police. The police are just, you know, somebody else in your neighborhood. Call them kids. Call them whatever you want to call them in this analogy, but they're somebody else in the neighborhood, okay? Now, the kids have shown you what they are capable of in your house you know this that is what it is there's nothing you you have to fix it you have to discipline them but you also have to talk to them and make sure that they're better they're better people you know this you plan on fixing it saturday on friday outside sources outside of your house they break all your windows now they break all your windows now I want you to think about that okay the kids broke your TV they punch holes in your walls and they broke your toilet the outside sources outside of your house police brutality they broke all your windows you tell me what you're fixing first Okay, you tell me what's more important to fix now as opposed to later. Okay, you tell me what's more important in your community at this moment. Okay, because you can fix in your head, in your own mind, you know the 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 ways to solve the problems inside of my own house. I know the ways to solve the problem inside of my own house. I know this. I have no issues with that. I can fix it. 
I got this. Outside sources broke all my windows. Out people that don't live in my house broke all my windows. It's gonna take me weeks to work and save to fix every single one of my windows. And the way it works is that that's police brutality. It may not be a great analogy for you, but I understand it clearly. And for me, what am I fixing first? That is the question I always ask when I think about this. What am I fixing first? I have to, I don't, I, guess what? And, and here's the thing. It may be more expensive to fix the windows. So maybe you can fix the TV cheaper and the walls is just a little plaster and you can fix a toilet handle for a couple dollars but the windows are more important to the stability of your house to the security of your house now without windows in your house you don't feel safe you can't protect your kids you can't protect your wife you can't protect yourself because anybody can climb through a window at three o'clock in the morning outside sources can ruin a house okay so as a mom and a dad as a man and a woman inside of this house decided inside of this community you're at your wits end and you don't know what to do because inside sources are killing you and outside sources are killing you who do you target first i can't fix my tv if someone can take my TV away from me when I fix it, I want you to understand that. It's something I need you to understand. I cannot fix my TV if my windows are broken and someone can walk in and take my TVs when I'm asleep, sound, and I think I'm safe. That is police brutality to me. That is the, the crux of the situation. I know I'm very light with my analogy. I haven't put enough oomph into my analogy. I make it very um, light is all I can think of right now. But at the same time, I think it describes perfectly the black community. If we can fix our, if we can stop outside sources from coming in, we would be able to fix inside sources better and, and raise these kids to become adults. And let me give you another tidbit. Let me give you, let me give you another tidbit. Not only <laughs> this is something I thought about too. Not only are we raising these kids to be adults, but then these kids, when they become adults, we're sending them out to the outside world. If I'm too busy fixing broken windows for all these years, how can I raise my kids successfully? I mean, think about it. How can I raise my kids to be good, God-fearing, honorable American citizens if all I'm doing every weekend is fixing broken windows. 
think about it. I can't. I haven't been able. I'm, every weekend, I'm taking my check. I'm not buying them stuff. I'm not hanging out with them because every weekend, I got to fix the windows on the house. Okay? And I'm not just talking about, you know, police brutality. But then, you know, <laughs> I got a thunderstorm of, of, of racism that just broke the gutters. I have a, I have a, a tornado of uh, mass incarceration in the prison industrial system that just decimated my roof. I gotta fix all of that and raise my kids at the same time. How? Because we don't have the insurance, okay? We don't have the insurance that is helping us compete with all that. I'm not even going to tell you what the insurance is. I'm going to tell you what the insurance is. We don't have, we are the only community in the United States who didn't get reparations after some atrocity happened to us, okay? Now, I want you to think about that too. We are the only community who didn't get reparations. The Japanese got it. The Jews got it. Um, the American Indian got it, okay? Vietnam got, got money. Uh... Middle Easterners got money. Everybody got money but us. Okay? Ironically, even without that, we were the lowest of the lowest slaves. And I don't like bringing up slavery because there's too many instances in the present that I can bring up that has nothing to do with slavery to show you why we are who we are and why we protest and march. And if you want to call it a riot, call it a riot. I don't give a shit. But we do that despite not getting the money and we and we succeed without having that as well i want you to understand when immigrants come in this country and i have no issues with immigrants when immigrants come in this country they get tax breaks they get money to start businesses we have a hard time getting money to start business as black americans okay i don't i have no issues i, I love people coming to this country i think if you it's it's a scientific fact you choose you you if you can speak two languages which I don't understand why people make fun of people who speak language or in broken English. If you speak two languages, you're smarter. It is a scientific fact. It is just a fact. Okay? So. Sorry. I'm way off topic. But I have no issues with immigrants at all. No, nothing wrong with them. But I'm just saying, if we can get a leg up, if we can just buy insurance that didn't take my whole month of a check... If we could just buy the insurance, if we could just get some kind of supplemental to help us from the outside sources, the inside sources, man, I tell you, we're some strong people. We can raise some people. We can raise some kids to do extraordinary things, okay? We can. We have. And we will continue to. The outside sources is what's keeping us down. Now, that's it. That's my analogy. Do whatever you want to with it. <clears throat> it is what it is. That's. I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about it because. I have to be. I'm passionate about it because it affects me. I'm passionate about it because it is me. That's how I think of my own house. Okay. Someone broke into my car a couple weeks ago. They didn't break in. I, I apparently left the door unlocked, okay? We're, we're, we're living in pandemic times, and <clears throat> we weren't using the car as much. So the last time I used a car, I didn't lock it. Two weeks later, I go back to use a car. Everything inside my car was 
torn out, whatever. But I didn't leave anything valuable in the car, okay? Like, there were masks in the car. There were, you know, sanitary wipes in the car just from using them, not wanting to bring them into the house, using them and putting them, stuffing them into the door side, whatever. They, they got in there, took everything out. Everything was on the floor. I know they didn't find anything. I had some change in my cup holder. Um, they took that, which is fine. They obviously needed more than me. And I really don't, you know, it is what it is. Um, and I forgot where I was going with that. I lost my focus. But either way, I think what I was saying was, like, that was outside of my house. I felt some kind of way about it, but I didn't really feel that insecure about it. If someone had did that inside my house, that'd be a whole different thing. Okay? That would be a whole different situation. And I want you to understand for the person, people listening to me. Inside my house is what matters the most because my loved ones are there. My loved ones are there, okay? They aren't anywhere else. They're inside the house. I can't send them outside of the house until they become fully realized adults, understand? So that's my analogy on black people. It's not, it's not great, it's not amazing, but that's what I think, okay? And that's what I think about when people talk about black on black crime. That's what I, it saddens me because I made a post on Facebook the other day and, and <clears throat> it started off by saying, hey, can you please stop killing unarmed black men? And the answer was, but. And I made a whole long post about it and every answer started with, I've been seeing a lot of people, instead of saying but, they say however. They say, I hear you, but. <laughs> and how dismissive, if you're white and you're listening to this, I want you to understand how dismissive would it be? I'll give you, I'll give you wild analogies. Wild, okay? That was actually one of my, the house one is more one of my more tame analogies. I'm going to give you a wild analogy. Wild analogy. How would you feel if you told me, hey, my grandma's dying of cancer. And I go, that's sad. But 100,000 people died of cancer this year. So she's really just a drop in the pan. That would hurt, okay? I'll tell you what. That's, I Let me tell you a little bit more about me. I go straight into personal. When, you, when people give me these wild conspiracies and when they give me these outlandish scenarios or scenario, if you're an asshole, uh, that's not my joke. Someone else said that, but it's funny. Um, but if you, when you give me these wild scenarios, I have to get personal with you. Okay. One thing about the coronavirus, there was all these conspiracy theories, and someone was just like, "Dude, you're a sheep," and I'm like, "Okay. Well, my lung, my my lung, my son has a lung disease. What should I do about him? Should I tell him, hey, you're a sheep, son. You have lung disease, but get over it.'" They usually don't come back with an answer. They usually just look at me because that's because now 
now everything becomes real. Okay? So I tell people all the time, I'm like, man, that could have been me. And I was like, no, 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 Keith, you're good. Am I? Not even am I good. Why do you think I'm good and that person isn't? Because you know me. That's why. Because I can give you countless stories where I could have been a victim. So either way, there are, like I said, a ton of stories I can give you, but but that's not even the point anymore because I got way off focus. <sighs> Going back to the analogy, I need people, and if you're white and you're listening to this, I need you to understand it's not about you. That's it. When you're arguing with your mate, your significant other, and they're unhappy, it's not about you anymore, okay? It's, if we want to live, black people want to live in a world where we're just accepted, okay? I want to be accepted, that's it. I want to go to any place in the world and be accepted. The thing is, like I told my one friend, <laughs> I, I just want to be treated better than I am now. Who doesn't want that? Who literally goes, nah, I'm treated pretty good. I'm good. You don't have to treat me any better. Matter of fact, treat me worse. No one does that. No one does that. If everybody wants to be treated better no matter what, at something, okay? At somewhere, okay? Everybody wants to be treated better. And that's all black people are asking. Hey, treat me better. Because you haven't for years, okay? So, end all be all. It was tough this weekend. It was tough this weekend. <clears throat> I wrote a letter to my friend. Not a letter, but I wrote, she asked me something about this weekend, and I wrote her something. And when I read it out loud, I almost came to tears. Because I have to, I have, my son's 15. He's up to my shoulders, and... He has, like, a little mustache. The cutest kid. I was showing him his some kindergarten pictures that popped up on my Facebook. <laughs> I'm just like, man, that dude was so small. He couldn't, he didn't even come past my thigh in kindergarten. Like, I showed him the picture. I was like, bro, look how small you were. But that's not him anymore, man. He's a grown man. Or at least that's the way some people look at him, okay? He's 15. That's grown man to some people. When you're black... You know, he's a he's a child. Understand when I say he's a child, he's a child in age, but he's a child at heart. I don't ever I, I look at what he does, how he interacts with things and people. And I'm like, man, he's such he's so childlike. I was the same kid. You know why? I never really wanted. I wasn't the kind of kid like, oh, I can't wait till I go and do this and, and get a job and be an adult. No, I was loving my time as a kid. And that's what it seems like he does. So I never want to put too many, too many things on him too fast. But as a man, as a man of a black, as a, as a black man of a black child, I have to come to the realization I have to talk to him. And that's going to be a difficult conversation. And... I don't know how to do that. I don't like having uncomfortable conversations. And it sucks that I have to do that. But I have to. And that's my life. So, you know, I tell them, like, hey, this is how you deal with cops. This is how you deal with other people. 
this is what you're going to get for dating who you want, you know? And it's, it's, it's a lot. So, you know, as black people, we want to raise our kids. We want to raise our kids to become fully realized adults. And we want them to have a great life, not a good life, not a mediocre life. We want them to have a great life. We want them to do great things. As a white person, isn't that what you want too? Of course it is. Of course it is. You know that and I know that. I don't need the outside sources coming for me. I need them to stay away from me. I need outside sources to come to my house when I want them to come to my house. But I definitely don't need them van I don't need them vandalizing my house. Understand? That's I mean that's it. So as sad as it was, as sad as it is, you know, I don't, I unfortunately don't forget about the people who've succumbed to police brutality. It sits on my mind and my brain and it sits on my heart every day. And I think about it all the time. When I look at my son, I see Tamir Rice and Trayvon Martin. My son and Tamir Rice were close in age. He was older. He was like 11. And my son was eight or nine. And that was about six years ago. So, yeah. So, yeah, around the same time. And, man, I'm swaying back and forth from my chair because it's... You know, I have to stop from crying, you know. But either way, I remember when that happened. And I had a guy tell me. It's a guy named Michael. He was like, well, he said, well, that's how, it's another word for but, right? It's like, man, a, a, a nine or 11-year-old kid got shot by the cops for playing with a toy gun. And he hit me up and he said, well, and I said, fuck you. Excuse my language. I said, fuck off, man. That is a child. Even if he's doing wrong. Even if he's doing a crime, you need to correct, not kill. You need to discipline, not kill. You need to teach, not kill. Our black kids aren't given that kind of leeway. We're not. And that's what we needed to do was teach in that moment. Was it illegal for him to have? a toy plastic gun out in a park in Cleveland, Ohio? No. No, it was not. Was he shooting at people? From what I recall, the person on the 911 call said no. But he was out by himself. From what I recall. Why did they call the cops? But why call the cops if you're going to tell the cops it's a toy gun? That was my thing. But let's say he was shooting at people because we have to give some kind of excuse. Is it illegal? He's a child. Childs do stupid shit. That's what they're children. That's who they are. No. Did he deserve to be shot in the fucking face by a cop doing a drive-by? And for those who don't know, Tamir Rice was shot by a cop. The cop was in the car when he fired the gun and the car was still moving. 
okay? I need you to understand that Tamir Rice was killed by a cop in a drive-by. That's what happened, okay? Was he doing anything illegal? No. Was he a criminal? No. If he was, would any of that matter? No. None of that matters. Not long after that, yeah, Dylan Roof. He shot nine black parishioners at a church in the South. Did he get shot by drive-by from the cops? No. Did he get shot at all? No. What happened to him? He got taken into custody. They put him in the back of a squad car. And they said, whew, you must be hungry from killing all those black people. And they took him to Burger King. That's what white young adults get. So, when I think about my son, I think about Tamir Rice. Little. I looked at my son the other day. And I realized he looks like Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin was killed by a man who was not a cop. He also was not white. But he was afraid of this young black kid. Trayvon Martin was 17. My son's 15. And he looked one. He, I'll give you the facts. And this, I ended a relationship because of this. This was many things, but this was one of the reasons why I ended uh, a friendship, not a relationship. <sighs> Excuse me. Trayvon Martin, walking home through a subdivision, maybe? Walking home with Skittles and iced tea in his pocket from the store. That's what he went. He went to the store to buy some candy. He's walking home. A man named George Zimmerman decided to, he saw him and he said, oh, he looks like a thief. He looks like the person who's been thieving in our neighborhood. George Zimmerman did what a lot of people do, called the cops. Said, hey, those people or they, you know, the blacks. He said, they are at it again. Those Duke boys, they're at it again. And cop says, who? And goes, that black kid who stole from our neighborhood, because I'm the Black Watch commander of my neighborhood, he's stealing again. Said, okay, where is he at? He's on this street. He just turned down this street. He said, wait a minute, are you in pursuit? Yes, I am. Sir, the cops are on the way. Do not pursue. No. They're not going to get away with it again. And he pursued Trayvon Martin. And he hung up the phone. He caught up to Trayvon Martin. Unbeknownst to him, Trayvon Martin knew mixed martial arts. Trayvon Martin let him see these hands. Okay? I need you to understand. George Zimmerman, a full-grown adult, was getting his ass whooped by a 17-year-old. You know why? Because George Zimmerman is a bitch. Sorry. Sorry. My emotions are... <sighs> Either way. Sorry. <laughs> so, that's what happened. They were tussling on the ground. He was on top of them. Giving them this work. 
towards him and decided to pull out a gun that he had on him and shoot Trayvon, shot and shot Trayvon Martin. Okay. He died on the ground with iced tea and Skittle in his pocket. He didn't have any stolen merchandise. He didn't have any stolen paraphernalia. He didn't have anything stolen that he didn't buy. He didn't have anything on, but anything, anything he didn't buy. But he had a hoodie on, and he got shot in cold blood. Nowhere near his mom or his dad. And that was his life. And now he's just relegated to a shirt and an RIP on Facebook. He would have been 25 or 26 this year. Yeah. That's, that's what happened. And George Zimmerman got arrested, went to court, innocent. Standard ground law. He defended himself. How do you defend yourself when you chase after somebody and you got that work put in on you? When I think about stuff like that, I think how scary the world is for my kid. And I think this childlike person I have to kill his innocence because I have to tell him how to deal with police and people who might think you fit the description of somebody that they don't even know. I have to tell him how to act in certain places. Something most of you will never have to do. So that's what I think. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah. So, either way, like I said, this episode is going to go long. I have, I still have more to say. I might break it up in two episodes, who knows, but I have more to say. So, either, either way, I'm going to take a little quick drink. So, here's, here's another thing that we got to talk about. What do we do? So, they protested. And there were riots. And looting, I guess. That's what you want to call it. Let me give you some little insight to that. I talked to another person. They said, protesting doesn't work. I said, okay. You you posted about it on your Facebook. Protesting doesn't work. Did you post about it when they protested in Michigan? And they were with their ARs and their AKs and all these other guns. Somebody had a, a freaking rocket launcher. Um, were you, were you posting that protest don't work then? Cause those were 99% white people. Were you posting about it then? Cause if you weren't, that makes you a hypocrite. Does it not? Okay. Again, I make things personal. The reason why I make things personal is because a, I don't want to argue with you most of the time. And I'm not talking about this person, but most of the time, 90% of the time, I feel like I'm smarter than the people I talk to. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's just life. Okay, that's just my life. And I, I can beat you in an argument any day of the week. It doesn't matter. We can argue in real time. We can. You don't want to argue with me in real time. Okay. But you also don't want to argue me on, 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 through exchanges on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Because I have the time of the day, most of the days. So I have the time. Either way. I'm going to make it personal so I can bring it home so you can understand. Because you don't understand soliloquies and uh, soliloquies and and scenarios and all these other things. You don't understand that. Because you can easily, like, well, that would never happen to me. Okay, perfect. Let's talk about what happened to you. Let's put you in the driver's seat and show you how fast this baby can go. 
So, either way. So I was like, okay, protests don't work. Boom. Ironically, though, the protests kind of work. The rioting and the looting worked. Because the guy who killed George Floyd, guess what happened to him? He got arrested the next morning. The next morning. Come on now. The next morning. Kind of worked. I don't know. I've been seeing protests, and all of a sudden, I see mayors talking to the protesters. Hey, hey, all right, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. We have police chiefs going down. Like, yeah, all right, all right, all right. Let's talk about it. Sounds like it's working. Now, is that it? No, that's not it. Is that all we can do? No, that's not all we can do. Um, I'm not going to get into, because I posted all this stuff on Facebook, too, if you follow me. Um... But I posted about all the chicanery and the strategery and the saboteurs of the protests coming from different cities, placing pallets of bricks, which may be a conspiracy theory, but I believe it um, because they keep showing up. Come on now. And... You know, a guy got arrested in Minneapolis. He's from Illinois. He had bombs and he was convincing people to throw at the cops. I don't want to talk about all that. Okay, because it's true. There are peaceful protests going on in this country at this moment. And the news and all the media and the Facebook and the Twitters and all the Instagrams are showing the rioting and the looting. Ironically, the rioting and the looting most of the time are being shown are white people. They're not black people. No. So, either way, I don't want to get into that. What I do want to get into is what what do we do? What do we do as black people? And I'm going to tell you, because this isn't just a podcast for black people. It's a podcast for everybody, okay? Because that's I'm for everybody, okay? But listen, me and my hands are rated E, okay? They're for everybody. I don't want you to forget that. Either way. When <laughs> when we talk about what we can do, I have a few thoughts. Okay. I, I gave this to someone else and I said, I want you to sit with this for a minute. There's a couple things we can do, in my opinion. There's people out there smarter than me who have a plan, who have a goal. So I want you to understand that I am not the end all be all. There are people out there who are smarter than me. And they, those are the people you need to talk to. Not me. You need to talk to them. But you don't want to hear them. That's a different story as well. Oh, there's a lot of different stories in this book. I'll tell you what. This is like freaking Uncle Remus and all these fables. I'll tell you that much. Either way. There are a couple things we can do. We can have reform. We can have reform of schools. What laws can be put into place? What policies can be changed? One, the school policy. We can put more money into the public schools. Okay, it is a known fact that most black people go to public school in every big city. We can put more money into the schools. Where do we get that money from? Tax. You tax them. Okay. I want you to understand how taxes work because people don't seem to understand. If the government says, or your city says, we need a $2 million tax, okay? It's like, okay, cool. $2 million tax. So let's say I live in the city I live in. A $2 million tax. Where are you going to get that money from? We're going to give you, we're going to raise your taxes. Okay, how much are you going to raise my taxes by? 
Well, until we get $2 million. Okay. How long did you take that? Now, you got to read the bills. They're different. But you got to read the bills. I remember one bill I saw that didn't pass. It was like $2 million. It's like, okay. How are you going to take that? It's like, oh, we're going to take out um, a penny every paycheck once a week from all the inhabitants of Toledo. Over a year's time, that will give us $2 million. That was That's what it said in the thing. I was like, a penny? Well, I don't care. I'll go yes on that. It was for school reform. Didn't happen. Got shut down. So, yeah, taxes. Now, taxes go to the military. We have a huge military. People are okay with paying that. We need to pay. We well, let, me, let me tell you something about America. America is not number one. Okay? I've had this thought for years. Because of the facts, I read the I read the I read the facts, and this is how I became I came up with my with my with my thoughts. America is not number one. We're not number one in anything for the most part. We're number one in a lot of bad things, but we're not number one in all the good things. We're not number one in education. We're not number one in math. We're not number one in civil sciences. We're not number one in sciences. <laughs> we're not number one in um, physical education. We're not number one in fitness. But we have the number one military in the world, and no one messes with us, right? Hashtag 9-11. But at the same time, we could be if we if we if we invest in the right things in society everybody wants to put a bill together because we don't we don't care as americans we don't care about each other okay i'm getting off the black agenda and talking about americans we don't care about each other we want to live in a capitalistic society until your business fails and then you want people to support that's not the way capitalism capitalism works capitalism works like this you either do good or you fail and die. That's it. It's pretty black and white, honestly. It's really not that hard to understand. You either do well or you fail and you die as a business. But we don't want to live that way. We want to get the bailouts and we want people to support and we want people to do the hashtags for our business. But guess what? That's not capitalism. Capitalism is Jeff Bezos making a trillion dollars this year. Okay? That's capitalism. Then once he makes that trillion dollars, we go, wow, you don't need that much. Doesn't matter what he needs. That's capitalism, baby. It doesn't matter that the top 10 richest people in the world are in the United States. That doesn't matter. Eight out of the ten. It doesn't that doesn't matter. No. What matters is that's a capitalistic society. A more social democratic society is, hey, let's have, you know, bridges and roads and we can pay for it collectively. Cause that's the way to go. That's how I lean. Not to get in politics here. But that's how I lean because that's how what it is. We want the things we want. And either way, back on topic, we need to reform the schools. And we reform the schools by raising taxes to get better materials, to get better schools, to get better teachers. Teachers don't make enough. You know, I found out that in the private school system, teachers make twenty four thousand dollars. 
new teacher. Public school system, the teacher makes thirty six to forty thousand dollars. That's not enough. We're leaving these people in charge of our children for six hour, hours of the day, and then the other four hours of the day, they are sitting in the house on the tablets, on the TV. That's not how it should work. We should pay the people who have our kids the most. We don't. We don't have our kids the most when you think about it. Even if, even if you get off work at 5 o'clock, you see your kids for maybe two, three hours before they go to bed, four at max, right? But do you hang out with them for a four-hour straight, or do they want to do their own thing, depending on how old they are? Um, and that's if you work a nine-to-five. What if you don't? Okay, so with that, we have people who have our kids for six to seven to eight hours a day and we're paying them pennies. My son's third grade teacher had another job that I'm like, hey, we need to meet after school. She was like, I got to go to work. I'm like, you're at work. She's like, no, I got to go to my other job. I was like, oh, my God, how does that work? How can I meet with my teacher when I'm off work when she has to go to another job? just to make ends meet. That's a problem in our American society. We don't give value to the things we need to give value to. It's a whole word for you right there. We don't give value to the things we need to give value to. And that's how American society works. So either way, back on topic, we need to reform the schools, okay? We need more police community involvement. What's the model of the police? To protect wait for it, and to serve, to protect and to serve. Most police officers, I'm pretty sure all of them, but I'm going to say most because I don't know for sure if it's all of them. Most police officers have business cards. Do you know what I would like to see the police do? The police who patrol the neighborhoods that they patrol, the police who look out and are in the spots that they're in for whatever reason they're in, in the black community, I would like I would like police to get to know the black people that they patrol, that they surveil. Okay? You walk up to every door and you say, Hey, my name is Officer Officer and this is my business card. If I want to get to know you because I patrol this neighborhood and because I patrol this neighborhood, I want to get to know the community and the citizens of this neighborhood. And I want to become one with the neighborhood so I know how to patrol this community correctly. I guarantee if cops did that, if the police did that, there would be so much more community involvement. There would be more trusting of the police. I, I knock on every door. This is a campaign. You're selling yourself as cops. How can I trust you if I don't know you? And then on the opposite side of that, how do I trust you when you don't look like me, right? Everybody wants to be high and mighty in the world and say, I love everybody. Well, you don't. You don't look like me. You came in here and the only the only response that I've had from you is you yelling at me to get on the ground. How am I supposed to trust you after that? You've talked nothing but stern to me, not loving, not forgiving, none of that. Come into my house, sit down and have tea with me. Let's talk about how we can get everybody on the same page. I'll tell you what, more people might talk to you about the crimes that go on in the community. More people might start trusting you in your community. 
if I'm if I'm in a community for eight hours a day, every day of my life for 30 years, I should probably get to know that community. That's two. Three, prison industrialism. The prison industrial system, they um, bed to prison system is basically horrible for black men. They're incarcerated, you know, five to ten times more than their white counterparts for the same crime. Okay. They're they're incarcerated for longer than um, their counterparts, their white counterparts of the same crime. Okay. They are given more probation. Whites are given more probation than blacks for the same crime. Okay. Um those are the things we have to change. Weed legalization. There are a ton of celebrities. There's a ton of white billionaires. There's a ton of white millionaires who are profiting off the legalization of weed in 32, 35 states. You know who's in jail for those same weed crimes? Black people. We should release all nonviolent weed offenders. Absolutely. Rehabilitate them. Also, prison rehabilitation programs, not just come in, serve time, get out. There's a mental capacity that needs to be addressed. Okay, that's something that I'll tell you, my buddy, we were talking about this and he said, I think it's so weird that people fight for rights of criminals. I said to him, it's because just because they're criminals does not mean they're not human. That's what we forget every day. Every single day, we forget that these people are human beings and they are trying to get back into society by any means necessary. Guess what? If I come out and there's no opportunity for me, I'm going to do the same crime I did before. I need rehabilitation. I need people to hire felons. I need people to to trust me. Most of the people in jail don't want to be in jail anymore. Either way, that's three. Better health care. Let me tell you something about health care. The better your health care is, the better you are, the more productive you are in society. The better worker you are. The more jobs you can have. The more hours you can work if I had better health care. Black people need better health care. We have a whole list of problems that need to be taken care of. And no matter what your feelings are, your political affiliations with Obamacare, guess what? Obamacare helped get more black people health care. Obamacare helped more white people get health care. That's what happened. Those are some of the things. I have way more. I have a, ta- a huge list of things that we can do. But let's start with those four. Let's talk about having a community project and figuring out what we can do. Let's open more parks in the community. One thing I want to do, I don't have any money right now. But guess what? When I get money, I want to open a park. I want to open three parks in my neighborhood. Why? Because there's kids in that neighborhood and they have nowhere to go. Understand? They have nowhere to be. Idle hands for kids are not a good thing. We have to do more for the children. If we're not doing more for the children, we're setting them up for failure. How can we be number one if we don't set up the children for success? I want you to think about that. How can we be number one if we aren't setting children up for the success? 
that is simple as plain as I can make it. We aren't, we are not, and we have to. What can we do? We can listen. We can listen to what black people are saying. Don't, don't, don't listen to respond. Listen to hear me. My buddy brought up White Man Can't Jump, which is a great movie if you haven't seen it. It's Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, and Rosie Perez. There's a lot of other people in it, too, but those are three main people in it. But it's just an amazing cast. It's an amazing movie. Um, but anyway, Rosie Perez talks to her boyfriend, Woody Harrelson, and she says, it's like, you don't listen to me. It's like, I hear you. It's like, yeah, that's a problem. You hear me, but you ain't listening. You hear what I'm saying, but you ain't listening. When I say that I'm thirsty, I don't want you to bring me water. I want you to sympathize with my thirst. Anyway, I can quote that movie, but it's just a good movie. But that's, that's, we need to listen. There's a lot of black people. There's a lot of smart black people in the world who have the ideas to get things done. We need to put those people into, into position to not only hear them, but to also materialize their, their, what's the word? Materialize their thoughts, to materialize their, their goals and objectives. That's what we can do. We can do a lot of things, but we choose not to. That's the point. We're making a valid choice. Okay. Uh, let me just tell you my fear. And then I'm going to get out of here. My fear is that bloodshed will be shed. Blood Bloodshed will be dropped. And if it doesn't happen in the next couple of days, it will happen in the future. There will be bloodshed and there will be a lot and there's going to be distinct sides. And while I don't want that to happen, I believe it will. And that's a warning to everybody that if we don't get on the same page, we will. Let me tell you something else just because I'm all out of focus here. Let me tell you something else. We need white people. Okay. White people need black people. We need Hispanics. We need Asians to survive in this country. Let me tell you why. White people make up 60% of the population. Black people make up 12%. We need white allies. And I think we have some good ones. Then we have some, some who don't know what they're talking about. But we can set you straight. But you have to humble yourself. Either way, okay, that is another episode of staying off topic. I appreciate you guys for listening to me, taking the time to let me feel my feelings, taking the time to, you know, uh, taking the time to hear me. I, I definitely appreciate you. Um, I know this is, we're in the first couple episodes. I know this is going to be, you know, broadcasted sometime later than what it is now. And I'm sure I'll keep you abreast of the situation at the time, but I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for being a part of this. 
um, staying off topic podcast. I want to hear from you. Um, follow me on Twitter at staying at, at staying off um, S T A Y I N G O F F. Um, f- follow me. Um, give me your ideas on the podcast. Give me ideas. Um, give me give me feedback. I uh, I like criticism. Low key, I hate it, but <laughs> criticism is only going to help me grow and get better. So give me some criticism on the podcast if I haven't asked for it before. Um, like, follow, and rate me, um, and subscribe to my podcast wherever you find podcasts. Um, if you have any questions for me, um, I would love to do a question and a question and answer segment, um, especially about this situation. I definitely can wrap things up in a nice, tidy bow, or at least give you my feelings on it. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I try to be as factual as possible, but I can also get emotional if you want. Um, either way, either way, you choose, you choose. Um, the choice is yours. You know, as Scarface said, the choice is yours, or at least that was a song of the movie. I don't know. Either way, bringing it back. Um, like I said, like, follow, rate, subscribe, please and thank you. Um, send me an email, standofftopicpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and follow my YouTube page, Standoff Topic Podcast. Again, I appreciate you. Uh, love you guys. Um, and we'll see you next week. All right, bye.